1: Everything you do is making an impact in this world.
0: This is not an elitist issue. This is a quality of life issue. How dare you! And I feel like it's my responsibility as a human being. So what? The world is at stake. You're listening to Eco Chic, a podcast about climate, sustainability, and eco conscious lifestyles. What? Like it's hard? Hello, hello. How are you today? Welcome back to Eco Chic. My name is Laura Diaz and I am happy to have you. You're listening to episode 111-111. I'm happy to have you here because I'm especially excited about today's episode. We are speaking with Leah Thomas of Green Girl Leah. Perhaps you've seen her viral Instagram post with the title slide of Environmentalists for Black Lives Matter. I know as soon as I saw it, I started seeing it everywhere, and I feel like you've probably seen it too if you're in the environmental space online at all. Leah Thomas is an intersectional environmental advocate and an eco-communicator based in Southern California. She's passionate about advocating for and exploring the relationship between social justice and environmentalism you could say she's trying to make the world a little more equal for everyone and a little nicer to our home planet. Her work has been featured on The Good Trade, BuzzFeed, Vogue. Her ideas of intersectional environmentalism are literally changing the environmental world as we speak. We're speaking today, of course, on intersectional environmentalism, defining it, relating it to feminism a little bit, and talking more broadly about how different cultures experience nature and those human environment relationships, especially historically speaking. Climate racism is another topic we touch on, and why Black and POC communities and marginalized communities are experiencing the most severe public health risks from environmental degradation. We also talk of the cognitive dissonance about why we may be experiencing this disconnect from natural disasters, environmental degradation taking the broader equity conversation into the environmental space. I think it's incredibly important to start tying up those loose ends in our brains and thinking about how we can make this space more inclusive, more conscious, and more big picture. Environmentalism, sustainability, none of it works unless we're really thinking about everyone. This is not a conversation that seeks to answer, how do we accomplish equity in the environmental space? It's about our relationships with the planet and it's acknowledging that your cultural identity plays a huge role in your identity as an environmentalist. It's personal and I hope you leave today thinking about how your upbringing has left you more or less inclined to have an intimate relationship with the environment and also how we can make this space more consciously consider the relationships that other cultures have with the environment and with the environmental movement. While this conversation is about intersectional environmentalism, I want to make sure we keep in mind that line, environmentalists for Black lives matter. I think it's important to keep in mind that I'm a white woman, I'm Hispanic, I'm Cuban, I grew up in Miami, and I'm not an expert in the Black experience. I benefit from white privilege. I'm actively trying to educate myself on how to be a better ally every single day. Again, I'm not perfect, nor do I pretend to be perfect by any means. I think it's just important to keep in mind around race conversations that I speak a little bit about my cultural experience posing questions to Leah because that's all I personally know. It's all I've lived through. I use the terms us and we a couple times through this conversation, and I would like to make it super, super extra clear that I'm speaking from a very generalist point of view. This is not a show about me and my experiences, nor am I like this big advocate for the Hispanic community or humans as a whole. I really am just seeking to support you in finding whatever you need out of this and out of the conversation around intersectional environmentalism going forward. As the Black Lives movement has become increasingly visible, I want us to continue talking about equity and race and culture, because as we're establishing today, those factors play a pretty serious role into your relationship with nature, but also how much attention you can give to this movement. Nothing operates in a vacuum. The example I love to give is putting solar panels in low-income communities. No one cares that they're solar panels and that they're getting electricity from a renewable source if they can't pay their electric bills in the first place. I have a few other episodes that seek to educate us more on the holistic viewpoint that we should be adopting in seeking to answer those multifaceted concerns, and I'll link them below if you're new to the show or you're just seeking to learn a little bit more about equity, environmental regulations, etc. That being said, if you'd like to join us along in the future, you can subscribe to Eco Chic wherever you listen to podcasts. You can rate and review on Apple Podcasts, and I would also encourage you to share today's episode with a friend in your group chat, play it out loud for your family. This is a really good conversation that left me humbled and seeking more ways to consider people that don't share my same experiences. My social media links will all be below, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Eco Chic Podcast, and my personal page is at Lori E. Diaz if you'd like to see me there. I would really appreciate hearing your thoughts on today's conversation. One more housekeeping announcement we do have a little shop at totallyecochic.com. And through the month of June, we will be donating 50% of profits to bail bond groups for protesters through Act Blue and offering free shipping. So if you're able and inclined to support the show in a physical capacity, you can find the link to totallyecochic.com in the show notes as well. Let's get into it. I hope you enjoy today's conversation with Leah Thomas, Green Girl Leah, all about cultural experiences when it comes to environmentalism and ultimately intersectional environmentalism moving forward. Leah, I'm really excited to be talking with you today, and I would love to just jump into our conversation and ask you how you're doing lately with
1: with everything going on. How are you doing? Thank you i really appreciate that question i have so many emotions right now um, i feel very sad for the world and especially for the black community my community given everything that's going on but i also feel very excited and hopeful um, and very appreciative of being able to have the platform that i do on instagram and i'm really excited for what's to come i am really excited for
0: what's to come as well and Instagram, I would love to talk a little bit about your viral graphic. I would love to talk to you a little bit about intersectional
1: environmentalism. What does that mean to you? Intersectional environmentalism, I came up with that term because when I was in college, there was the like, kind of women's movement that was really awesome that was happening in the Women's March and everything, and kind of a really awesome mainstream feminist movement. But unfortunately, I wasn't really seeing myself being very represented in those spaces. And I never really saw a lot of Black women in those spaces. And it seemed like when I would bring up race into the conversation and how it would kind of intersect with my identity, that was often silenced. So there was kind of this counter movement of intersectional environmentalism that was meant to not ignore or be dismissive of the ways that race do play a part in the experience of being a woman. And I thought that was really awesome. And I was just having this moment as an environmentalist where I just thought, you know, if my feminism is intersectional, then my environmentalism should be intersectional and should take these different parts of my identity into account and so many other people because the impacts of climate change are being felt differently by different people based on race and culture, which I think is incredibly unfair. So that's why I made the Instagram post, and that's what intersectional environmentalism means to me. It's a type of environmentalism that takes into account the ways that race and identity do play a huge role in how environmental injustices are experienced all over the world. And I just think that's such an important thing to consider because it's dangerous and climate change is dangerous. And I just wanted to provide a connection between what's going on now with the Black Lives Matter movement and with environmentalism as a whole and kind of invite the environmental community into the conversation and know that if they practice this form of environmentalism, that they should be a part of this movement as well. I like the comparison of
0: environmentalism and feminism when you're thinking about who you are as a woman, when you're thinking about who you are as an environmentalist. You really can't silo those identities and you can't say that you are 100% either of them. You have to think of the whole person and the culture that comes with them, the experiences that come with it, because apart from the injustices, I also think that different cultures absolutely have different experiences with nature and different experiences with environmentalism. So I'd I'd love to talk a little bit about kind of cultural relationships with nature
1: that you may be trying to draw eyes to. I very intentionally don't use the term ecofeminism and instead like to use the term intersectional environmentalism because in many ways I think ecofeminism it has so many great ideologies in it but it feels sometimes extractive, like it takes bits and pieces of indigenous wisdom and culture, and it takes bits and pieces from Eastern religions like Buddhism and Hinduism, and it molds it up in a way that almost feels somewhat like it's appropriating. Um, yes. And then does not really acknowledge the people and there or bring the people that they're kind of stealing these ideologies for to let them lead in many ways. Sometimes that's the case. I know there are some really amazing indigenous women that are proud eco-feminists, but I just didn't really like the extractive nature of that. So that's why I went with the term intersectional environmentalism to take it one step further. But I have been getting a lot of comments as to why I chose that language if something similar already existed, and I feel like it didn't. So I don't know if that's really answering your question, but um, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense because
0: I like the idea of ecofeminism. I've talked about it a couple times before on this show, but in general, what I like about it is I hadn't heard those two words put together before, ego and feminism, and I was mm-hmm. like, wow, here it is wrapped up the two things I care about. But you really are taking it one step further when you're talking about intersexual environmentalism because it goes beyond just your experience as a woman, but also your experience in the Black community, my experience in the Hispanic community. And you really, again, you can't take those parts out and like pick and choose a la carte where you want to be when it comes to your environmental experience.
1: Exactly. And so many cultures, like we have different relationships to the land. And in many ways, a lot of POC communities, their history is deeply embedded with like an almost spiritual relationship to the land. And I think that that's something that we're often sometimes excluded from environmental spaces, even though our cultures aren't necessarily the ones that are promoting degradation of the planet. So I feel like environmentalists can actually learn a lot from people of color who historically in many ways have had a better relationship with the land. So that's something that. I think, should be considered. And there's just so much to learn from people of color, especially indigenous communities, because historically, like I was saying, just having a better relationship and respect for the land. And I think that's how the environmental movement was kind of born in many ways, like adopting a lot of indigenous ideologies without necessarily giving props to the people where those ideas came from.
0: Yeah, I think that's incredibly important to point out, because I've been seeing more and more activism around not necessarily credit, but acknowledging that a lot of what we do know, not just about the earth and the planet and our relationship with nature, a lot of that comes from indigenous communities. And Mm -hmm. going back to the idea that it's interesting to think that different cultures have different relationships with nature, I would love to get a little bit personal with you and hear Mm -hmm. how you kind of grew in your relationship with nature because just on my level, on my personal level. I'm Hispanic. I didn't grow up like going outdoors. I didn't, I didn't like go hiking at all (laughs) until I was in college. I am very connected to the outdoors in my studies. And now I'm a naturalist. Now I like being outside and that's where I'm comfortable, but that's just not how I grew up. And that's not my relationship culturally. So I would love to hear a little bit about your relationship with nature and how you kind of grew in it.
1: Yeah, so if I take it back to my ancestors, because I'm African American, they were stolen from their land and they were shipped here to the United States on boats. And I mean, it's a very traumatic experience. And there's a lot of generational trauma in the African American community about water. And that continues on to this day because over 50% of African Americans don't know how to swim. And that's deeply rooted in slavery as well as segregation and not allowing people to swim and do those sorts of things. And that is something that's just kind of in my family and a barrier, I think, to being in the outdoors. So some of the things that I'm doing, I want to reclaim my part of, I guess, the natural experience because my ancestors did thrive in nature well before they were kind of stolen from their land. And I feel like I'm honoring my ancestors by reclaiming my place in the outdoors because it's always been there, but there's just been so much trauma in this country that I think has stripped black people away from it. And even culturally, I've heard people in my family say like, oh, that's a white thing. So if people go hiking or if they do certain activities and I'm here to remind them like, no, that's not the case. We can do those things too and kind of break down some of those barriers a little bit. Yeah, I hear that too from my own family,
0: that hiking is a white thing, or we even see it now that statistics for people who are taking part in outdoor activities, like at national parks, the vast, vast majority of people just experiencing the outdoors in that more like formal recreational experience are white people. Exactly. It's interesting to think also how recreation outdoors kind of plays into it. It's like, why are certain cultures more or less inclined to spend their free time outdoors and to spend their time connecting with nature? So I think that's also another really interesting facet Mm -hmm. of it. Not to generalize, but culturally, a lot of us are just not inclined to do that. Exactly. Yeah. I would love to talk a little bit about uh, injustices, when we talk about injustices and different cultures experiencing injustices. And unfortunately, we know that a lot of the human health hazards that we're experiencing in America and worldwide are being felt hardest by low-income communities, by minority communities, by marginalized communities. I would love to talk about that like interconnected relationship between culture and environmental mm-hmm. injustices and perhaps human health, wherever you'd like to take that.
1: That was such an amazing question. Thank you for asking that. It's been difficult for me to explain the links. It's kind of taken me the last five years to come up with the terminology to get other environmentalists to realize how linked these things are. And when I think about the phrase, I can't breathe that Eric Garner said you know, before he was killed by police, and that many other Black men have experienced because of violence and having their breath taken away from them. It makes me even sadder to realize, statistically speaking, like Black and POC communities also have higher rates of particulate matter, and poor air quality and poor water quality are more likely to be situated next to toxic waste sites. So those sorts of things they go together. And it makes me really sad just thinking about POC communities not being able to breathe or have access to life in many different areas, whether that's at the hands of injustice when it comes to police brutality, or also environmental injustices. And that to me just sticks out a lot. And they are interconnected because the same systems that are oppressing people of color, or specifically in this case, Black Americans, and making them more likely to be harassed or potentially killed by police or even in the case of like george Zimmerman, just random people um, without having justice that's the same system that's allowing them to live in these neighborhoods or concentrate toxic waste sites in these neighborhoods and i wish people would see that that is interconnected and it isn't by chance there's not some terrible i mean environmental organization that's also corrupt in their own way and then some terrible police organization that's corrupt in their own way it's like no there's just kind of a broader system of power in this country that's a little corrupted in both regards in my opinion
0: you're absolutely correct you're absolutely correct because beyond oppressing these communities and continuing this cycle of black poc communities In these areas that are closer to toxic dump sites, if they're closer to factories, if there's higher particulate matter, the example I always like to think of is the South Bronx, and we think about childhood asthma rates in the South Bronx, one of the highest in America. It's really unfortunate to think that not only are we allowing these injustices to go on from a human health perspective, but from the environmental perspective, there aren't strict enough regulations to say particulate matter is not fine enough, or it's being Mm -hmm. released at such a rate that is just not healthy, not only for people, but also for the atmosphere. And just going beyond even the human aspect of injustice when it comes to environmentalism, when we're talking about planetary injustices, when we're talking about climate change, we're talking about impacts to the atmosphere. I'd love to hear your thoughts on our relationship as a human race, just how we're interacting with the
1: environment on a larger scale. I think we have just been very separated from the idea that the planet is our home, because people wouldn't treat their houses and the places that they live and the way that they're treating the earth, or they wouldn't disregard the destruction that's happening if they were able to just feel more connected to the earth. And I think because we live in our little tiny houses and because we have national parks and public lands are shrinking, people are starting to view nature as something that they seek out and not necessarily something that they're in every single day, like our neighborhoods, our ecosystems. And I think because we've been so far removed from the idea that we are a part of nature, it's a lot easier for people to be destructive or to ignore the destruction because they think, oh, the destruction is happening That's some oil well super far away. Or if there's an oil spill, oh, you know, that's in the ocean far, far away. That doesn't really impact me. And I think that's a really serious issue when it comes to fighting against these things. And I think we need to be, just remember that we are a part of this ecosystem and start viewing the planet as our home. And I think, Honestly, truly think that there would be less environmental injustices and destruction if we were able to do that as a society. Yeah, I like
0: the idea of saying that we are really removed and nature shouldn't necessarily be something that we go to seek out. And when we talk about things being far away, when we talk about oil rigs, when we talk about spills or other environmental hazards, degradations, it reminds me a little bit of the zero waste movement. When people say that you're throwing something away, where is away? Yeah. Where is it going? (laughs) Right. Where is it going? And that reminds me a lot, just that consciousness that people are starting to link up like, oh, this actually has to go somewhere. Like this plastic toothbrush is going to live on the planet forever. That idea of something being here forever, I think is really impactful to people. And I hope that we start continuing to make that connection when it comes to bigger environmental degradations.
1: Yeah, I really do hope so. And it seems like it's happening and it's not just my post. I'm so happy that people are resonating with this. Like I truly could not have anticipated that there would be this sort of response. I thought if anything, it would be a blatant rejection, but it seems like people are ready and the time is now and they're realizing all of these things are so interconnected and they're revolting against those oppressive systems so i'm really excited to see what's to come me too me too
0: leah i think that's a fabulous place to leave the audience just really positive and i'm excited to see what's to come thank you so much for joining me and for sharing a little bit of your story this has been great thank you so much for having me All right, y'all. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. I hope you really enjoyed today's episode with Leah Thomas of Green Girl Leah. You can find her links down below. You can find my links in the show notes. And again, I will also be listing some additional episodes that touch on equity, environmental degradation, cultural experiences in the environmental space so if you'd like to learn a little bit more i would highly recommend checking out the show notes if you're on any podcast app usually there's like three little dots on the side of the episode and it says go to episode and that's where the show notes are if you're looking for them with that i hope to hear your thoughts on social media again instagram is the best place to get in contact with me at eco chic podcast i hope you have a really awesome day and i look forward to seeing you really soon